0: It is the Ringer NFL Show, part of the Ringer Podcast Network. I'm Kevin Clark, joined on a post-Super Bowl Wednesday morning by Nora Princiati. Nora, hello.
2: Hello, Kevin. You're back in New York. So I am back in New York. It's very different doing this back back in the homestead versus the 300-level concourse of SoFi Stadium.
0: Next to a Pepsi machine?
2: Next to a Pepsi machine. Just
0: a big game atmosphere. Just a big game atmosphere. Um, It really was.
2: The Super Bowl was fun, bud. It was good to see you.
0: It was great. I really missed live sporting events. I missed being at Super Bowls.
2: Can I tell you what I missed? I missed stadiums. I freaking Mm. love stadiums. Stadiums are cool.
0: I will say this. I felt like the media... I did a little bit of this, but I felt like the media being like... That's
2: a great way to start a sentence. I felt like the
0: media. Well... They were all like, "Oh my god. It's so it's amazing to be back. It feels normal. It's like we missed one Super Bowl." We're going to be fine. Yeah,
2: but it but it made it feel like a long time.
0: I know, but we missed it, one Yes, Super
2: Bowl. we missed one Super Bowl, but I had not spoken in person to a football player in a very long time. Hmm. It'd been a while. That's a good
0: point. It'd been a while. The the radio row thing, I mean like that that to me just like seeing people like the, I, I called it the wave zone. It's where you know someone well enough to just give them a little wave and then just keep it moving. Like Ron Rivera. I don't just do like the wave. I wave, do like a head wave. nod. I'm not going to stop and chat with Ron Rivera. We're not that close, but I can give him a little wave. That, that to me, that was the networking that I needed. Just a little waves. The wave zone. All right, so we're going to do straight thoughts from the Super Bowl, and then we're going to do an off-season preview show. We did this last year. I really like it, where we just kind of map out exactly what's going to happen over the next six six months, something like that. I don't know. Um, It's going to be weird. Uh, We'll start here. Were you surprised that we ran on a topic so quickly as a media group? And I'm just saying, we did this on Bill yesterday. We did this on um, all the ESPN shows, Fox. Are you surprised we ran on a topic so quickly that on Tuesday we were doing Matthew Stafford Hall of Fame talk?
2: Uh, No. I I think Matthew Stafford Hall of Fame talk is the it is the center of the the gravitational pull that keeps us all spewing out content.
0: Isn't part of the problem that we there's so many unknowables that you can't really debate? Like, is Sean McVay gonna come back? Is Aaron Donald gonna come back? That we just kind of had to glom on to to that. Like, yeah. in a, we're in a holding pattern with the Rams right now. We don't know. We can't. The thing is, we can't say are the Rams gonna be back in the Super Bowl next year because we don't know what that looks like.
2: Yeah. Also, we can't do that for any team. I mean, I don't, you know, we'll fake it a zillion times, but I, I also just think that there's nobody in media who, is not, who does not wake up in the morning desperate to just be like, is Matthew Stafford a Hall of Famer?
0: I've never had that impulse.
2: You've never had that impulse? I don't know. I have man. a
0: lot of thoughts. I have a lot of broad, big picture thoughts in the Hall of Fame, though, so I'm happy to argue about that. Um, having thought about it for three days, what's your number one Super Bowl takeaway?
2: Matthew Stafford is not a Hall of Famer. <laughs> I think so. Okay. Here's what I've been thinking a lot about. Uh, ben Solak's Kendall Blanton injury theory really warmed its way into yeah. my brain. And I love it as a theory, but after thinking about it for a few days, and I also think that some of the Sean McVay miked up stuff kind of supports this. I think yeah. they just made an adjustment. I think they just made an adjustment. I don't think that, that Kendall Blanton's loose joints were what caused the Rams to make the adjustment that won them the Super Bowl. I think it is a little concerning that it happened so late, but I do think that eventually McVay was just like, all right, we gotta let Stafford go win this. I
0: think that, that I mean, Jeremy Fowler reported that the coaches were just, including Sean, were just like, all right, Cooper Cup and, and Matthew Stafford need to win this game. They spread right. out the offense by three, four yards, something like that. That was the next-gen three. stats thing. Um, and and they just went out there and took advantage of the matchups. Like they they could have done that. I mean, Bill and I talked about this yesterday. But like, they, th- I feel like that adjustment could have come earlier. But that's that's picking nits for for a team that that, that didn't win the Super Bowl. So I, I under agree. I understand that part of it. Um, yeah, I mean, I I think that my biggest takeaway at this point is that I think that. So what's really funny because when when the conference championships happen, GMs a lot of times. Run reports on the teams, and they just you know height, weight, speed. Are we missing anything? Um, yeah. You know how do what, what what they consider those the four best teams. I would say when a team wins a Super Bowl or gets to the Super Bowl, owners kind of say, "I want that." No matter no matter what it is, you know, I'm like David Tepper is going to sit there and say, "I want what the Rams had." And I kind of feel like we're opening up a a real trap, a real trap door, um, because well, yeah,
2: because the answer to that is many superstar players.
0: And by the way, I mean, the two best, Cooper Cup and Aradona, were just drafted, right? Like, they were just drafted. And and right. and so and then you augment that with uh, uh, tons and tons of, of additional talent, including kind of an overpay for Von Miller, um, which ended up working. Obviously, Von Miller was a beast the entire playoff, so let's not uh, discount that. But they, they did at the time probably overpay because they the Broncos pick up the contract.
2: Well, right. It's not like they overpaid because they got swindled. They overpaid because they didn't have $9 bucks.
0: Right, right. No, no, I get that. It's just that there was a lot of draft capital and money capital put into this. And, and I, don't think, I, I don't think – I think the all-in thing is a little bit overblown in the sense that just a lot of these guys will be back. Um, we don't know, obviously, about Odell Beckham with the injury especially. We don't know about Von Miller, obviously. Um, but as long as Aaron Donald and Sean McFay don't retire, they're at least positioned to be a pretty good team next year. Um, but it, it's interesting to me because it reminds me a little bit when I was covering the NBA, um, Wick Grouseback, the Celtics owner said, said that he yeah, did a study, Wick. he did a study that, uh, is that your guy?
2: There's a very funny photo of me talking to, to Wick on what? the floor of the garden. Um, when I was just randomly helping out with some Celtics stuff, but we struck up a conversation about shoes and then I'm trying to remember which. It might have been like Dave McMenamin or somebody who covers the okay. NBA chose that moment as his opportunity to like tweet out a photo of the owner, and there was a lot of like, "What's that football reporter doing there?" In the comments, and there I was a
0: lot of, bu- of there was a lot of buzz, is what you're saying.
2: Yeah, and my mom, like, loves that photo because she likes the Celtics, and I, it's, like, very hard for me to express to her that that was just, like, a very random moment that is not particularly meaningful. But anyway, big wick! Okay.
0: Good we got that out there. That's Nora Cannon. I'll
2: find the photo somewhere.
0: But Krasbeck said at Sloan, like, a decade ago, he said that they they put the big three together because 24 out of 25 teams that they had studied who won the championship had a top 50 player of all time and then two supporting all-stars, okay? And this became like a thing, like an ownership. Like the, I remember talking to like NBA GMs who were just like, yep, we got to get our big three. And it's like all of a sudden, what, you're trying to trade for Josh Smith? Like I, I, I think sometimes the kind of elevator pitch that uh, franchises, the owners want out of their franchise um, can be very dangerous. And so it'll be really interesting to see what kind of lessons. I mean, I think that the, the Seahawks winning in 2013 – There were GMs or owners who just said, I want tall cornerbacks. I want big physical cornerbacks to to counteract the passing boom. All that stuff was like, okay, good luck getting Richard Sherman, Earl Thomas, and Brandon Browner and all those guys. And and Pete Carroll, one of the best defensive minds in the history of of modern football. All that stuff. So the lessons that these teams learn." Aggressive owners want to win now. Are they going to try to trade a first-round pick for for veterans? Are they going to try to trade a second and third-round pick? Are they going? To, you know, this is not an amazing free agency class. You have guys like Teron Armstead who who might reach. I don't really know what the deal is. Um, obviously, the Saints have cap problems. Devonte Adams is the top free agent. He's not going to reach free agency um, unless something crazy happens. It's going to be franchise tag. But betting big on talent, this sort of roster uh, is something that the Rams did perfectly. And it increased their margin for error. As I said, the, t- the players that they drafted were the two best, but then they augmented that. Um, I'm intrigued to see how, how teams adjust to seeing the Rams plan.
2: Yeah, I- I'm with you. It's just that the other way to explain what that is, is truly just to say have really good players. And don't get me wrong, it's a great strategy. It's just there's a lot of ways to skin a cat.
0: But let's let's use the David Tepper example. The Panthers don't have really good players. Right. So how do you do that? You overpay to get them, right? Like that. That's why I'm saying that we might see some like really funny mistakes over the next year.
2: Well, so but the other thing that the Rams did was they understood their window. They yeah. got the good players at the right time. If you get good, play- they like, also had instance, a
0: genera- generationally good coach. Yeah, which most true. teams don't have. The Rams had all these advantages, and that's why trying to replicate what the Rams did is probably going to be a disaster for. A handful of teams.
2: I think that's true. I don't think it's so much about. I mean, they they do, and and you've done a great job of pointing these things out. They're in L.A. People want to play in L.A. There's all this sort of infrastructure that makes good players more inclined to go there, and that stuff does matter. I, yeah. I do think that it's easy to overstate that when it just comes down to, they got all the really good players at the same time. Right. And they had them fit together into a very good football team. I think it is less about, it's great that guys want to play for Sean McVay and he's a good coach and absolutely helps having, for instance, I don't know what Stefan Gilmore is really giving the Panthers right now. Right. Like,
0: (laughs) well, that, that was a, that was a, just a flyer basically, but yes,
2: well, Sure. But how much do you... And it didn't cost them, but at a certain point, it would, right? Yeah. And if the guys aren't all on the same timeline, then I'm not sure what it gets you. Like, the Rams are going to have to... They will have to pay the bills eventually.
0: The bills come due. This was a credit card This was a credit at Super Bowl that worked. But
2: it's not going to matter because they won a Super Bowl. So I, I do think that if you if you want to find an applicable lesson from the Rams, it's understand your window, understand when the window is open and when it might close and when it is worth being super aggressive, because if other teams are going to be super aggressive, then ultimately at a certain point, teams are going to have to keep pace. And I know we talk about the Bengals as, as this sort of anomaly, but, and they are right. They are because of burrow because of chase, because it did feel during a lot of the season, like they caught lightning in a bottle and ultimately the thing that was there undoing was that they might not have recognized how quickly the window is going to open, or they just might not have had the resources to fix the defense and the offensive line in one off season. Right? So maybe you go out and try to try to do the offensive line this off season. However, the Bengals have spent a, an uncharacteristic amount of money over the last two free agencies, an uncharacteristically Bengals amount of money. So, it's not as though there's no correlation to between their output and their success in getting to the Super Bowl. So I, I do think if we want to find something that sort of ties it all together. It's like the better an understanding you can have of if you're in the window, then the more likely success is. Because I think a lot of I mean, we can talk about the Vikings at some point. There's a lot of bad that happens in the end. Can we talk about the Vikings? I I don't know. I feel like there's been a lot of Vikings news over the last couple of days. But there's a lot of bad that can come from not understanding when the window is open and when the window is maybe closed.
0: Kevin Demoff, the president, was on a panel with me. And I I said this a couple weeks ago, but I'll, I'll repeat it because it's important. He said the winning is the best competitive advantage. And that's what we saw with the Patriots, right? And it's guys who, who want to be a part of something. They'll take $2 million less, and and then you get somewhere. I mean, like, how much – you think about the Patriots window and how much of that was – if you're just doing the credit card thing. I mean, Bill Belichick was so good at managing rosters every single year. And part of that was understanding when to buy low on Randy Moss, and Randy Moss wanted to be there. Um, Randy Moss didn't want to be in Oakland. He wanted to be in New England. Uh, you saw that even, I mean, this is a little different, but you saw that with Antonio Brown a couple of years ago. Corey Dillon. Um, guys, Darrell Revis, Guys just want to be a part of that. And you add in the fact that this is not in New England. This is not in Foxborough. This is in Los Angeles. There's sort of a Hollywood feel to it. There's not intense. I was talking to someone a couple of days ago about the the Rams and what the Rams. And they're basically saying, you know, there's not an intense Media pressure, as there is on the East Coast,
2: and there's there's heavily monetizable branding opportunities, right? NFTs like, and just a huge infrastructure of endorsement deals. People who understand how to do endorsement deals for athletes or for celebrities, like there's a lot of sort of off-field opportunity in that place. And to your point, it comes without the heavy scrutiny of a new England where there's a lot of off field money to be made because the fan base is incredibly passionate, but it's a little bit of a different thing where if you want to, if you want to make some t-shirts, you will sell a crap ton of your t-shirts. Like Julian Edelman can sell a lot more t-shirts to Patriots fans than Aaron Donald can sell to Rams fans. But there are, there's a whole other set of things that are available in Los Angeles that are maybe not available in Boston. And it does come without the same level of, Feeling completely under the microscope. Now there's a whole other sort of celebrity industrial complex that probably has its own influence on guys' lifestyles if they live out there. But I I do think it makes a difference that there are perhaps there are bigger superstars walking around in the greater Los Angeles area than, you know, Cooper Cup. That's not necessarily the, the same in certain other places. I will
0: say this. You mentioned Aaron Donald selling t-shirts. I'm watching the parade right now. I don't know if you are. Aaron Donald is uh, shirtless. Yeah. How many defensive tackles in the NFL could go shirtless and it look cool? Not a lot. It's not, not a lot. lot. Not a lot. I'll say that. Donald can pull off some stuff. Um, he's, he's, a, uh, he's an athletic, athletic uh, phenomenon is what I'd say about Aaron Donald. And we saw that on third and one, fourth and one. It's amazing.
2: Speaking of Aaron Donald, yeah. we were gonna do like we were gonna just like wrap up some Super Bowl and then do some off season into the off season Nuggets. Uh-huh. I wasn't quite sure starting? where to put Aaron Donald in this. Can we talk about Aaron Donald a little bit more?
0: I mean what else is there besides he's shirtless on a parade float? Well oh, okay so retire? he's shirt
2: he's shirtless on a parade float. He might retire. Jeremy Fowler at ESPN reported this morning that there's some buzz that instead of retiring aaron donald would take a substantial raise
0: oh cool perhaps
2: to to become i gotta yeah, try know that if you could have i
0: gotta try that coming. i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna email sean and connor today and just be like hey man Mal, i'm just gonna say i'm, I'm either retiring i'm thinking or, about or, stepping away yeah or, or i will take a 15 percent
2: markup on the highest paid defensive contract yep Yep. This is apparently, this is what uh, Jeremy Fowler is, is reporting Donald is interested in. He would like to become the league's highest paid defensive player to keep playing in 2022. Or perhaps, and and this is characterized as chatter, perhaps receive a 15% markup on the current high water mark, which is TJ Watts, $28 million a year. Seems pretty good shirtless on a parade
0: float. So Char- Charles Robinson also reported that earlier this week that it, a lot of this is just contract buzz. Um I believe he's the the highest paid defensive tackle in the top 10 in in defensive players, but he he needs to he, he it would make sense he'd be the highest paid defensive yeah. player in football. He's the best player in football. We saw that. Like he single-handedly basically blew up a Joe Burrow drive at the end there. And and some of that is was self-inflicted by the Bengals, but it, giving it to Samashi P. Ryan was not incredible. But having Aaron Donald was the, was the factor. So pay the man.
2: Aaron Donald is underpaid at this point, and he should go for it and try to get his money. I will say there is there there is some um, sort of selective reporting of what exactly he's said to earn next year. He his contract is for 9.25 million in in base salary with a $5 million roster bonus. Um he already got his yeah. signing bonus. Like th- that adds up to make it right. look like he is so drastically underpaid when really his take home is like 22 million versus, you know, maybe roughly 30 if he set a new high yeah. water mark. Again, go after your money, Aaron Donald, he deserves it.
0: By the way, Chris Jones is actually uh making three million dollars more this year and so i think that that's an easy correction to make so that's that um i'm looking at cap hit right now so aaron donald's at the 20th it's aaron donald's behind jimmy garoppolo that's something's broken at this point oh um demarcus demarcus lawrence will make oh more against the cap this year leonard williams will make more against the cap this year um as i said chris jones joey bosa zadarius smith so there's some easy easy corrections to make here for I mean, this is, but this is also part of why you try to lock in a long-term deal. It's a six-year deal. That's the point of a six-year deal. It kicked in in uh, in, in twenty eighteen, I believe. Um, so I, I understand why Aaron Donald will want to get paid. I understand why the Rams might not want to do it, but but they have to do it. That that's that's the leverage. That's the leverage. Um, is I am going to retire. It's going to be like how Kyle Murray is going to be able to float. I am going to go play baseball if he doesn't get his way in, in Arizona, and I support him for doing that. You find your leverage wherever you can do it because the NFL provides no leverage.
2: And for that, you deserve an ice-cold reward because you are a fighter, and Modelo is your reward. Modelo, the mark of a fighter. Shop delivery or pickup options near you at ordermodelo.com. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Imports, Chicago, Illinois.
0: So comes out that Joe Burrow has an MCL injury. Uh, Ian Rappaport is reporting that he will not need surgery. Um, He's just going to rest. He will not miss a substantial amount of time. But this kind of underscores, by the way, Zach Taylor told reporters that Joe Burrow had the sprained MCL in the game, obviously, and said he wasn't coming out. Uh, Zach Taylor said that Burrow said he wasn't coming out. Rest, recovery, all that stuff. But this underscores what, what we already knew, which is... We as a as a football punditry um, need to keep pointing out that the Bengals need to do everything they can to to protect Joe Burrow because just because he likes contact doesn't mean he should take contact. And I think there's um, a lot they can do this offseason and we, we had this discussion on Sunday night. Um Solak and I have continued to have this discussion, but the Bengals have to do everything. You know, Marcus Spears was on ESPN yesterday saying, you know, don't even look at anybody else at the combine. Just get just get as many linemen as you can to figure it out i would also say maybe you look at cornerbacks as well um to, to replace an eli apple type but i i'm i'm in his camp just just scout as many linemen as you can and fix this thing and also spend money in the free agency market because you know the chiefs not only traded the first round pick they, they signed joe Tooney to the, the biggest contract in the position's history they drafted two guys um they solved this thing pretty quickly Bengals are different franchise than the Chiefs, but they, they gotta fix this thing.
2: Well, yeah, and there's guys like Brandon Scherf, Ryan Jensen, Tron Armstead. Like there are high profile veterans available. The Bengals should have around fifty million in cap space. And, you know, I think Jesse Bates is gonna be a big yep. what do they do their question? That could be a franchise tag. But they should be able to You know, we were talking about this a little bit after the game. I don't think that they need to do a full-scale Chiefs. Let's literally throw all of our resources at this one problem. Yeah. I think they probably should not just do one upgrade, right? Like, take a couple bites out of the apple and and see what happens. And I think they have the resources to do that. Now, obviously, look, like, they drafted Jackson Carmen, and whether you think that that is sort of enough, going into a draft where there was a major debate over whether they should draft Sewell instead of Chase. I think the book is pretty clearly closed on that. I will say, I think if you were going into that thinking that's the kind of guy that they need to help protect Burrow, you probably weren't fully satisfied with Jackson Carmen. That being said, I think they probably thought they were getting more. They were going to get more out of Jackson Carmen than they ultimately did. So
0: you mean anything? You mean anything? They expected anything out of him. The
2: other piece of this is that the swings you take, you know, sometimes they miss, right? So sure. that's why you take a couple swings. And,
0: and that's why the Chiefs. By the way, the Chiefs, for instance, signed Kyle Long last year as part of this, and it didn't. He didn't play. He was hurt, and so right.
2: But it cost them what five million bucks?
0: Right. That's what I'm saying. Is you over? If when you overcorrect, you you fix things. So. That's yes. Now I,
2: I do. I will say I think the Chiefs, if we're talking about windows, the Chiefs were fully aware that their window had been open, like just you know, Rapunzel, Rapunzel. And in that context, choosing we are just going to focus on solving one problem. Yeah, I think makes a little bit more sense than this. I think the Bengals probably have to to spread the resources around a little bit, but they have the resources so they can do it.
0: Okay. Uh, Let's move on to the off season. Number one thing you're watching this off season off season, basically officially starts in two weeks at the combine. What are we watching?
2: Can I just say that I hate that this is true. And I really wanted to come up with a different answer, but I can't because it's Aaron Rodgers.
0: So Aaron Rodgers, according to reports is now, is now a single, is now a single man
2: still chasing that second ring.
0: Yep. Yep, single man, according to TMZ. Just let that hang there for a while. Okay.
2: The answer is either what is Green Bay going to do to keep him? On what terms are they going to continue their partnership? Or where is he going to go? And and what is that team going to do to lure him somewhere else? And a lot of the Aaron Rodgers discourse makes me roll my eyes into the back of my head. But – he's the MVP. Like there's a real, this is just a seismic potential shift that could happen this off season. I know we went through it last off season and it didn't take place. I think it's more likely to happen now. It is what it is. It is the most important story of the off season as mind numbingly annoying as some of the conversation around it can
1: be.
0: Okay. Let's back up here. So there's optimism according to Ian Rappaport going to Adam Schefter that things are going to be fixed there part of this I think is what I've been saying for weeks which is there's not an obvious option like a Tennessee would be an obvious option if Ryan Tannehill didn't have that huge contract they hadn't committed to him um you know I is is Indianapolis any better Denver
2: is a pretty good option
0: I don't I don't I don't I'm just because Nathaniel Hackett's there Like, I I think that the the situation in Green Bay is better than the Denver situation.
2: I do, too. I just don't... I don't think that this is purely... I I think he wants to go somewhere with a good roster with good skill position players. I think Denver fits that. If there is enough of... Like, part of this is just, like, does he want to leave Green Bay? And if that is true, then it's a little bit less about, like, is this... What is the best among other options?
0: Okay. So, (sighs) I, I my my guess on this is is that he stays in Green Bay. What I, what I'll say is that Stafford and Brady two years in a row going yeah. to a team and winning a Super Bowl, changing their narrative, changing the entire story of their career, and it sounds crazy that Brady did that, but he did. Stafford certainly did, probably has broken some brains in the sense that that okay, we can improve our situation. But Rodgers is not in the in the Matthew Stafford zone um, that, that Stafford was in in Detroit. That was a rebuilding team. That was Dan Campbell um, and Brad Holmes saying, "Let's just start anew. Let's go get Jared Goff." Um, I don't think that that's, I, 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 you know, that's a different, that's a completely different time in in the evolution of of a franchise. So, I don't think that that's. I think those are two separate cases. Um, I, the best place is Devontae Adams on a franchise tag and Aaron Rodgers throwing to him. The line is good. Um, the defense is good. I mean, it, it, the problem was Marie Strayton, the special teams coach, who was overseeing a really bad unit all year. And I am – I'm not Bill Belichick levels of obsessed with special teams, but I think special teams is so damn important. And every good coach who's ever, who's ever been – uh, who's ever touched a football, has said that special teams is, is you know, wildly important. I'm not sure why Matt LaFleur let that fester. And I'm not sure why Matt LaFleur, who well, had... It, I, I,
2: did he let it fester? They fired their special teams coach the year before.
0: No, I'm saying during the season, it was obvious that Packers special teams was awful.
2: Yeah, but what do you, at that point, like, your options are
0: kind of limited. I fix it. Fire people. I
2: think they tried Sign and people. it didn't
0: work. They did finally. Extremely people. did after the fact. I, okay, I'm not. I actually didn't want to get down the that. that I, I actually I really Malisler love that we're yelling about Packers
2: Lynch. special teams.
0: That's the reason that they didn't make the Super Bowl. Uh,
2: th- yes, and there are thirteen in the NFL that have reasons they, had a mel- they didn't they had make a the Super Bowl. Special
0: teams meltdown.
2: I, I completely agree. I'm just saying that it's not as though the Packers didn't look at the season before and go. Our special teams is fine, and then it wasn't.
0: I uh, get yeah, they promoted a guy. They the special teams was a disaster the year before. They promoted a guy who didn't have what it takes, and and then they lost. They they're out because of it. They if you if you replay that season a hundred times, there's a hell of a lot of them where they get to the Super Bowl. A hell of a lot of them. They just had a special teams disaster. Anyway, point being is that you don't need. It's almost like what we're talking about with the with the Bengals offensive line, right? You you just put your emphasis on that and things will be fine. There
2: is a difference between trying to fix something and having it not work and ignoring a problem. I think when someone has a big problem, when there's a big issue on a team like the Packers special teams was the season prior to this one and you don't address it, that is unforgivable. They tried to address it and it did not work. That remains a problem. I don't think it is quite the same indictment as this is a disaster and you did nothing about it.
0: I don't think I, you can fire a coordinator in the middle of the season. John Harbaugh did that with Cam Cameron and promoted Jim Caldwell. Like you can, you can fix things. You can't, you can't just look at a unit and say this unit sucks. We'll deal with that in February.
2: You shouldn't necessarily, but you should also recognize that if you fire a coordinator mid season, you're going to have some hurdles that you were not necessarily going to have. If you, did it yeah, at the end of the year. Well,
0: you're going to have not, you're going to, how could it be worse? That's my question. How could it have been worse? Anyway, I don't, this is a very It just weird... wouldn't
2: necessarily be better.
0: Okay. Well, I'm telling you something. They bottomed out. They lost. Like it was bad. So again, Matt a very good coach. I, I it, the point I'm making is that the green Bay is the best situation. As long as they don't have weird, uh, sort of meltdowns in areas that do not have, have to do with Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers could have done more in that game, but he also they also should have won that game with just the bare minimum. Matthew Stafford did not have a bunch of incredible games in a row uh, as quarterback in, in uh, this year. Not even Joe Burrow did, right? Patrick Mahomes made mistakes in the second half against Cincinnati. Every quarterback is going to have games where they're not putting the team on their back. Aaron Rodgers was having one of those games, and the special teams doomed him right? But I think that it's still the best place for him. And there are, you know, Pittsburgh, maybe if he wants to do that thing, um, he can, he can, I guess, force a trade there. Um, I'm just not seeing a lot of it. And, you know, you look at, I, I understand, and this is kind of the next point I want to bring up. I understand that the cap can be massaged really, really easily. Um, I believe the cap this year is going to be 208 million. Which is up, obviously, from 182 million, which was the 2021 cap that was, in part, installed Seriously, because COVID of, of COVID, um, and now this the cap spikes. But a lot of these really good teams are are at the cap right now.
2: Yeah, well, the, I mean, the cap spikes relative to last season, but right. teams uh, teams all plan years in advance, and teams were yeah, all some, working some, some under teams. the assumption some teams, okay. Uh, but they were the ones that do were working on the assumption that the cap would be, you know, where it is, if not higher at this point.
0: Right, exactly. And um, so the teams that are capped out, and again, this is temporary until they start restructuring. The Cowboys, I saw stat the other day, can go from over to severely under with just a couple of restructures. But right now, Bills, Packers, Cowboys, Rams, all over. Chiefs have $3 million. um, The Chargers, Bengals, and Jags have a ton of cap space, a ton of cap space. And you wonder if. The Bengals already did this last year. They add Trey Hendrickson for sixty million. They signed Mike Hilton. They go out and they're active in free agency and it works. You wonder, I'm looking at the Chargers here, with a ton of cap space, with Justin Herbert on that deal, do they go out and try to make a splash this offseason and try to get where the Bengals were this season? Yeah, why not? I, I, it just it just makes a lot of sense. It just makes a lot of sense. I think, I honestly think. I mean that they it gotta spend be, the money. They gotta spend the I mean, do they? We've seen this. Well, we've seen yeah. this movie before from some teams, but the the thing with the Chargers for me is like I almost think they're a year, a year late in that. Uh, and listen, they they've been adding in free agency for years. It's not like they're they the Bengals. They never had like they went out and got guys. Um, but they had holes on their roster. The
2: Bengals have like seriously spent in free agency for like three years in a row. I, I I'm totally with you that there is a that the way they spend money influences the franchise. But like we we shouldn't pretend that this. Bengals team was built without expenditures
0: no I don't I, I, I don't think they had. I'm just saying that the last couple of years of, with Duke Tobin has been completely counter to what they had done in yes. the past and yes. that they like yes. they like their own guys and they you know they, they, they had a, a, a mode of operation that they've gotten away from a little bit but but on the other hand, there are some areas that they're still the same.
2: but the important point is that they have gotten away from it. They've been fourth among NFL teams in free agent
0: spending yes. in the past two off seasons. yes. And, and, and they, they picked perfectly on most of those, perfectly. Um, and that's, that's why they were in the Super Bowl this year is because they helped out Joe Burrow.
1: This episode is brought to you by Indeed. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed.
0: If you're the Jaguars right now, do you try to spend big and just hope that Trevor Lawrence gets where you think he's capable of getting? You're going to have an actual coach in Doug Peterson. I kind of think you just you just kind of go for it and just hope that – I mean, the same – listen, we didn't know anything. I'm the only person who was – as we know from that clip on the Rich Eisen show, I'm the only person who was talking about the, the Bengals um, before this season. I can run that back. Rich said 0.0 people are talking about the Bengals except for me. Trevor Lawrence was dealt one of the worst hands in i don't know like the last decade for any young quarterback where he's got urban meyer out at the bars and not knowing what he's doing doesn't want to be there the staff's not very good no talent around him like i think at some point you have to take a leap of faith that he's going to get where you need to go and doug pearson's going to help you and then you just you just sign a bunch as, as many guys as you can and, and hope for the best right
2: so this goes back to the point about the one lesson that I do think is applicable from the Rams build about understanding your window. It is, this is why it's hard to get good sometimes in the NFL. I I think I agree with you. The problem is if it doesn't work, then you just went and wasted a bunch of resources on players that aren't going to help you achieve anything. I, I do think you're right. I think you have to do it because if you can get that team to a place where it doesn't feel hopeless, then that is going to pay you dividends because more players are going to want to come play with Trevor Lawrence when they feel like, okay, this is moving in the right direction. This isn't a dumpster fire, but if it goes badly, then you, you know, the cupboard is not quite so stocked to be able to reset. Um, so I think you're right. It's just that it's not a move you can make without risk.
1: All
0: right. Here are the top teams. with cap space. 64 million for the dolphins. 57 for the Chargers, 56 for the Jags, 48 for the Bengals, 44 for the Jets.
2: I mean, I, to be clear, like if we're talking about sort of capitalizing on a window, the Chargers should just spend it all.
0: I should. Maybe like the that Bengals. is the
2: team of that list where it's just like, go, 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 go.
0: But the Bengals have flexibility too. Yes. So it'll be. I'm. I'm fascinated to see it this off season again. It's not like yes. No, no. No.
2: I. I don't mean the Bengals are not the. I just feel like yeah. we've talked about that. The Bengals should absolutely. use. Steelers have,
0: have 32. Seahawks, Colts also in the top 10. Broncos in the top 10. Um, what other off season things are you gonna be watching?
2: Well, there's still like a a decent bit of um, coaching stuff. To tie up, I'm curious, like exactly how the Saints are gonna structure themselves. Um there's still a little bit of of there was a story out that Eric Bienieme was considering trying to put himself in a yeah. position to call plays. I think Eric Bienieme should do whatever he wants to do. I don't think that will work. I just want to say that I don't think that will work because the previous guys who had the same issues with being under Andy Reid, they got jo- jobs just fine. And we've seen Joe judge be the Patriots wide receivers coach and have that be okay. I think it is completely unfair. that Eric Bien-Aimé has had to wait this long for a real shot at a head coaching job. Unfortunately, I don't think that's because people, I think the specter of Andy Reid is an after the fact excuse that is being made. I don't think that it is the real thing that is, is holding him back. So I hope that he continues to coach Patrick Mahomes. Just wanted to put that out there.
0: I agree. Well, the, you, you can't criticize the Joe Judge hire because it worked out so well.
2: Right. That's true. Sometimes Scoreboard. results over process. I
0: agree. I mean, I, I think there's a couple of, of looming things. You know, we talked about this on Bill yesterday, but like the Sean Payton thing, that's going to be looming over every single team. Uh, 27 teams probably are, are 28 are one bad week, one bad month away from a Sean Payton rumor. If Sean McVeigh became a TV guy, it would just increase a hundredfold. Um, and then that, that kind of goes into the the Dallas part of this, which is, you know, I was yes. reading a um, PFF piece the other day that was pretty interesting. They basically said that CeeDee Lamb is the only pass catcher who's guaranteed to be back next year. Uh, we don't know what what else that, that looks like. And Mike McCarthy's going to have to do some coaching. And I don't necessarily know if he's up for that. And I don't know what the um, – wasn't there a website that used to just like poll fans on how much confidence they had in coaches? I, I'm I'm guessing that the confidence is not high right now with Mike McCarthy and Dallas. The way that the game ended against San Francisco, the fact that San Francisco then pushed the Rams to the limit, obviously beat the Packers. Like this, this, this should have been much much better. And I think that there are people now who think that. The idea of promoting Kellen Moore to head coach after you know would wouldn't it, would have been just as disastrous. I don't know. I I don't. I'm I'm not in Dallas. The b Writers have a further uh, hand on that. Now there's Dan Quinn stuff. Mike McCarthy was asked about Dan Quinn being promoted last year. Like there's so much that goes on. There was a report today from Don Van Nata that there was a bunch of settlements with the PR executive who just left. Like I. I <laughs> A lot of weird shit going on in Dallas. I know that that, that that's a constant thing, but there's, there's a lot of weird shit that's going on. That That's my point.
2: Well, also, there's a lot of weird shit going on. And then, okay, you mentioned the receivers. Randy Gregory may n- no longer be a part of that team. That's right. Demarcus Lawrence may no longer be a part of that team. That offensive line is not what it once was. Dak is Dak, but injuries are, are piling up. I very much still believe that Dak is a is a great quarterback, and his ability mentally, just pre-snap, post-snap recognition, I think can, you know, if, if his body is hurting even more and more as, as the hits pile up and the injuries pile up, I, I think he can overcome that just because of how smart he is, how smart of a player he is. But there is a real possibility that this Cowboys roster is drastically different than it has been over the last couple of seasons. And yeah, I mean, we got into this conversation talking about Sean Payton and Sean Payton rumors, you know, who is absolutely one bad week, if not less away from some Sean Payton rumors, it's the Dallas Cowboys. And I, I, if you want to flag a team... It's, not, it's already
0: there. It's already happened. It's it, it, Mike McCarthy hasn't even had to lose a game yet for there to be rumors. He's also getting Dan Quinn rumors. He's getting from all sides.
2: If you want to flag a team that is like a, a, a good team, that we think of as a good team, and put some kind of disaster potential on them for next season, you could find worse candidates than the Cowboys, I think.
0: Hey, I have two questions. Number one, is there going to be a second-year breakout quarterback
2: Mac Jones. I don't know. I mean, I think the answer would be if Trevor Lawrence looks like Trevor Lawrence, that would qualify. The problem is I don't think we've seen like, there has to be a combination of the guy and the situation. And I'm not sure I would choose any of those guys to have the right combination of, personal skills to do that and where they are. Like, I, I'm just not sure that the Jacksonville roster will be in a place to really showcase that. If, if Lawrence takes a big jump, that said last game of the year, he looked really, really good. And that over the course of a full season, I guess would constitute that kind of leap.
0: I'm going on an limb here and going against the run of everything I've seen and heard. Trey Lance. I get, I get the Trey Lance quote. Isn't ready. But isn't that the whole point of the pick? Is to get him ready? Like, isn't by September 2022? Isn't isn't that Kyle Shanahan's job to get him ready? I trust Kyle Shanahan on that.
2: Yeah, but if this is if we're talking about the second year leap,
0: uh-huh. and
2: everything that we've seen shows us that often, most often, when a quarterback makes a big leap, it's it's into that second year. Lance didn't really have the first year that you think of when you think of a quarterback making a second year jump.
0: I agree with that. But I'm saying, if you're asking me who's got, who's got actual, like, everybody else, I think, it's going to take a while. Um, I don't know what the deal is with the Trevor, with the Jaguars roster. Zach Wilson showed flashes and got better as season went along, but, like, I'm not hitching my wagon to that at all. Justin Fields, kind of kind of the same, same thing. If I had to pick, I'm just saying, all, I think every, all of those quarterbacks will be better. All of them will be better in, from year one to year two. That's the jump. Statistically, that's the jump from year one to year two. I'm just saying if this time next year we're saying, oh my gosh, I can't believe blank, I I think the most likely option would be Trey Lance because of the talent around him, because of the coaching staff, all that stuff.
2: And that's based off the same ideas we had when they drafted him was just like situation matters.
0: And 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 just situation matters, but also just, of course he's not ready. He played like basically one full college season. And then he practiced with Kyle Shanahan for a year.
2: Yeah. I worry that he didn't <laughs> practice as the starter as much as you would like. I
0: get that. Okay. So let me, let me, let me say, I I did this a couple of weeks ago and I shared this. I texted a chiefs person and I said, I need to put something to rest here. What would Patrick Mahomes have looked like if he had started from game one? Like there was no, what if Alex Smith was never born? Right. It's like, it's a wonderful life, but there's no Alex Smith. It's a free idea for a movie, by the way. No, Alex Smith. It's a wonderful life. Um, And he said there would have been a lot of mistakes, a lot of mistakes, but it would have been obvious that he was the guy. And so I think because we never saw Mahomes week one, because we never saw even Lamar Jackson. Remember Lamar Jackson wasn't the starter until uh, the second half of his rookie season. And also he made a lot of mistakes. He had that playoff game where he was real bad. Um, but it was obviously he was the guy. I think it's hard to judge a rookie quarterback because a lot of times some of the guys who have really, I mean, you know, Josh Allen. When I talked to Brandon Bean a couple of, of weeks ago, months ago now, he said he's just he's just happy Josh Allen survived that first season where they didn't have a lot around him, they didn't want him to start, and then and then he started. It's really hard to judge young quarterbacks, and at some point you're almost just guessing because the so much of it comes down to work ethic, situation, coaching. It's, it, there's no linear trajectory for a young quarterback right now. None. We don't know.
2: I just think it's unlikely that, first of all, Traylon's played a lot less college football than Patrick Mahomes. He's also probably not Patrick Mahomes.
0: I uh, completely agree with that. I'm just saying when we're talking about judging rookie quarterbacks, it's very hard. So, that's I guess we'll take.
2: find out. I don't think it's going to be Lance. I love Mark, you, buddy, but I don't think it's going to be Lance. Mark
0: Wahlberg, Son Rosillo. He tagged Tom Holland, and I thought Tom Holland was on Rusillo, but it appears Mark Wahlberg's on Rusillo. So it's good stuff. Um, anything else in this offseason?
2: Who do you think is going to be quarterback of the Bucks? Kyler Murray. Ho, 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 ho. That was a
0: joke. That was a joke. That was a joke. I don't know. Kyler Murray stuff's weird. We didn't even get to that. I think it's we got to go out on that. What if it's Jameis? Fun. Fun. Fun? That's the word for it?
2: Fun. I'd have a good time.
0: All right, this has been the Ringer NFL Show, part of the Ringer Podcast. Now we're thank you to Chris Sutton and Arjuna junior for production help. We'll be back next week. Draft stuff in full gear. The Ringer NFL Draft Show. Ben Solak, Danny Heifetz, Danny Kelly. Ever heard of him? You will not get smarter analysis anywhere um, about the draft, about football anywhere. Those guys are DK and Ben Solak are two of the best draft analysts on the planet. Check out but the Ringer you're say Draft. you will guy. not get smarter. No, that's that's right. That's more or less right. Um, guys, no.
2: I got to say, Ben and I got a lot of good feedback for just like hijacking the end of the Super Bowl pod. Might do it a little more often.
0: Just taking over. Just I'm the captain now stuff. Just I start reading the credits and you guys just start talking amongst yourselves. And the pod. I'll shut up. Um, <laughs> she's, Nora stepped away from the microphone. She stepped away from the microphone so she can't hijack it anymore. Um, all right. We'll be back next week. Pretty regular schedule. Enjoy it. Bye.